Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 97th episode of the PJ Archive. This was my first ever celebrity interview, and I did it while training as a journalist in early 1984. Part of the course I was on required the students to interview somebody famous. The school was in Soho, so it was close to London's West End theatres. At one theatre in Shaftesbury Avenue was the play Pack of Lies, starring Judi Dench and her husband Michael Williams, who had also been starring in the hit TV sitcom A Fine Romance. Knowing nothing of media protocol in those days, I rang that theatre's stage door and asked to speak to Judi Dench. To my astonishment, I was put straight through to her. And to my even greater astonishment, she very kindly invited me to go round to do the interview in person the following evening. Judy Dench was already a big name by then, and so I was as nervous as I was excited. To hopefully avoid making a fool of myself, I wrote a list of questions in felt-tip pen and attached the list to a clipboard to read them out to her one by one. Had this first celebrity encounter not gone well, it's possible I might then have decided against pursuing journalism, let alone interviewing well-known people. Fortunately for me, Judy Dench was welcoming, warm and kind. If you listen carefully, right at the end, as I was packing away my tape recorder, she said to me, jolly good questions. I appreciate she was probably just being polite, as what I asked her was pretty predictable and unimaginative, but nonetheless, to a young, awkward, aspiring reporter, those three words of encouragement from a top actress meant a lot. I've never met or interviewed Judy Dench again, but I've always felt grateful to her. So here we go, back to 1984. Judy, you're currently appearing in Hugh Whitemore's Pack of Lies here at the Lyric Theatre. Can you tell me briefly what the play is about and your role in it? Um, Briefly, the play is about how uh, a very ordinary suburban family uh, deal with bureaucracy when they move into the house, what happens, what what they have to fight with and how they fight it, or if they do fight it. And it's based on true facts, and it's just telling the story of what happened to this particular family um, at a time when actually MI5 used their house for surveillance purposes. And my part is that of the mother, who is not allowed to tell her child that it's happening. And um, the thing is that the people they were watching were her greatest friends, and she wasn't allowed to say anything about it. And I tell it, uh, I play the part of the woman who, who actually got broken down, really, by it. How long has the play been running for now? Uh, we opened on October the 26th, so we've been running... Uh, is it four months, something like that? Yes, something like that. Do you still get nervous before each performance? Uh, in a different way from the first night. Um, I get nervous because I'm um, aware of having to produce and re-enact something that I've reenacted the night before and the night before that and the night before that. And the night. So it becomes a thing of trying not to let it get... What's the word? Um, monotonous monotonous or uh, automatic so I have to relive it every night and as I have to break down it it means I have to break down every night twice on a Wednesday and twice on a Saturday and so it it is nerve wracking more than nervous it's nerve wracking and taxing very taxing to be in a a play that runs night after night 
Do you have any strange superstitions before going on stage? No, none at all. No, I just get ready for the part and get to the theatre early and try and cut off, cut myself off from the family a bit and, and things I've got to do at home and elsewhere and, and think about this particular person. You recently won the Best Actress of the Year award for your performance in this production, but you're no stranger to winning these awards. What qualities do you think you possess as an actress which gains you such success? I've no idea. I have no idea what the answer to that question is. Um, I, I don't. I don't know uh, what it is, um, other than you're telling a story and telling a story successfully. Um, but I don't think it is a particular quality that I've got as a as an actress that wins awards. Really, I think that um, I mean Hugh Whitmore's play is no is no mean slouch. In fact, that award really um, genuinely belongs to all of us because. If you see the play, there is no way that one person uh, can exist on their own. It is absolutely something to do with uh, ensemble playing at a very high level. Actors often say that the finest praise they can receive is from fellow actors. Would you agree with that view? Um, it is wonderfully rewarding if your fellow actors um, write to you or, or say how much they've enjoyed the play. There is something wonderful about that when that happens. We had Kirk Douglas come round the other night and say how much he enjoyed it. Of course, we were absolutely starstruck, Michael and I. Um, but uh, there again, of course, it is also uh, it is also extremely important that the general public like the performance because they are really your 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 audience on television or theatre. And I think a lot of people coming to this theatre have come maybe because of Michael and my comedy series, and they've come to see us in the flesh, as it were. And of course, it's a very I think some of them think it's going to be a comedy. They get quite a surprise, I think. Do you care a lot about the critics? Um, well, you do care about the critics because um, not so much as in America they can make or break a play, but what they say, of course, is very important to a, play, a commercial play. Uh, you have to work very, very hard if, if the critics don't like it, and you have to have a management which somehow is able to afford publicity in order to bring people in, if people go by the critics, and many do. They do say that you remember bad notices rather than you than the good ones, and I think that is true too. I also think that you learn quite a lot from notices um, about yourself, and usually if, if they are all universally bad, you yourself inside, deep down, know that there is something actually wrong with the performance. It's very rare that you think you're all right and they all pan you. Yes, your partner in this production, as in A Fine Romance, is your husband, Michael Williams. Why do you work with your husband? Because I was asked to. <laughs> Uh, he was asked to play Bob in it, and I was asked to play Bob, not as a unit. We were never asked together to do it. We were asked as different, an actor and an actress. I mean, we were both members of the RSC. He was asked to do it, and he read the play, and I don't read plays. And he said to me, this is a very good play, you ought to read it. So I kind of flicked through it and saw a few lines that I thought, and he told me the story. And so we did it. Um, and, and it just is one of those very, very happy strokes of luck that we're actually working together. It hasn't happened always, but it has happened quite a lot. And it's it's jolly lucky. We never want to be regarded as a unit, because it means that anybody who asks Michael to work with him, with with them, is lumbered with me, or vice versa. We don't feel that is right. But if it does happen that a part comes up and we're both asked, well, it's that much good luck. Of course, it doesn't necessarily mean that we both want to do it part maybe not so good for Michael or not so good for me, in which case we would turn it down. Do you discuss work when you're at home? Never. Never, ever, ever. 
we never talk about it. We do sometimes on the way home or on the way to rehearsal. We did with this, we ran lines, but we never talk about it at home. We never made a rule. It just evolved that way. There's so much to do at home that, I mean, the moment I'm in, I'm down in the kitchen or whatever, so we, we, we never talk about work, which I think is quite healthy. Susan Penhalligan is presently appearing at the Strand Theatre with her partner in a fine romance, uh, Richard Warwick. Do you think there's any significance in this? I don't know. I've no idea whether there's any significance. I don't know how they were asked to do it or anything. It's just very nice that they're down the road, because we can all get together and have a meal. We're all appearing on Sunday, or Susie is anyway, and Mike and I at, uh, at Drury Lane. So that's nice, we can get together again, and we phone and keep in touch that way because we all got on very well, which was very lucky and good. Um, so it's nice to keep in touch. Do you prefer working on stage or on television? I suppose I prefer working on stage because you have many nights to get it better. And what went wrong last night, you can put right tonight. Or maybe tonight something will go even worse. Maybe tonight something will go even more wrong. Um, but you, you do have... You, you can uh, channel yourself towards the performance you think you ought to give in the play. Whereas on television, you commit it to tape. And sometimes when you see it, afterwards you think, oh, that, I shouldn't have done that. So you don't get a, a second chance, as it were, on television or film. And you do in theatre. Added to that, I have to say that, as I said before, doing the same play night after night is a tremendous strain. I prefer it when I'm at the RSC or the National, when I'm doing two, three or four plays, so that I put a different one each night. Um, I like it best when I'm doing one play in the afternoon and another at night. I love that. Because uh, it keeps you very much on, on the ball. But there is something about the theatre because the audience have come after a day's work and have bought a seat and have come to the theatre and somehow that, that gesture requires a reward and in a way the reward is your performing in the play. I have to always know if somebody's in. And I have to do it for them. And then it doesn't become a great big mass of people I don't know if I do it for one person. That happened to me once at Stratford in the comedy of errors. I didn't know anybody there. And I picked out a lady in a green coat. And I happened to say to someone, I said, that's the person I'm doing it for. Well, she walked out at the end of Act One. Oh, <laughs> so I didn't have anybody for Act Two. You've tried just about every aspect of acting there is. What aspect do you prefer best of all? I, there isn't one I prefer. What I don't enjoy is to be pigeonholed and I don't enjoy doing the same kind of thing. I'm going to, later on this year, play Mother Courage. What I would hate is to have to play Mother Courage straight after doing this, because it would, although they're not the similar character, it would require the same kind of emotional intensity. And uh, I want to kick my heels up a bit in the summer uh, after this, when I come out of this, um, and do something completely different. So what I've always tried and wanted and been happy doing is something, the antithesis of what I've just finished. I mean, doing, suddenly doing cabaret was wonderful after doing The Promise. And then suddenly after cabaret, I went back to Stratford and did several plays. And, you know, so I, I, loved, I loved to try anything. And I like very much the thing of people saying, oh, well, she's frightfully, she can't be, that can't be right for her. She's a terrible part. She's not, you know, she's made a mistake there. I like that. I like the challenge of somebody saying, oh, well, she's too young or too whatever to play Lady Bracknell. And I then feel... Something, there's something in me that wants to. Not many, not many people are aware that uh, you were actually in the original cast of Cats and had to pull out due to illness. Um, were you very disappointed about that? I was very shocked about it. I couldn't believe it had happened to me. I mean, I don't know if you know anybody who snapped an Achilles tendon. 
It's just like a pistol shot going off. So as soon as it happened, I was dancing with uh, Wayne Sleep. I knew what it was, and so did everybody else. And nobody said anything. We had about four weeks to go to opening. And I went to see the surgeon that night. And he, he said, yes, you snapped your Achilles tendon in half. I will have to operate straight away. And uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't know how I was going to say the sentence. I said, and how long till I walk properly? He said, at least six weeks, three months. And I burst into tears. But that, I think, is the only time I did cry, actually. I was very shocked by it. And then I had the operation, and, and Trevor and uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber delayed the opening of it because I was going to go back and do it in plaster. And I came out in plaster and went back to the rehearsal and fell again. Uh, and I couldn't manoeuvre the ramps. And I just walked out of the theatre. I just left the theatre. I went down, got myself a taxi and went home. Michael was filming at the time, just about to leave for Strasbourg. And I said, I, I can't do it. And they must face up to the fact that I can't do it. Because I think they would have gone on trying to get, you know, and I just knew I couldn't then. And in actual fact, it had infected. And, um, it infected, and I had to go back for a month after that. And through that, Miss Smiley's people as well. But it happened that we had a wonderful holiday. Hal Prince heard that I hurt myself and rang me. We went to his house. Uh, in Mallorca and had the most wonderful holiday since when we've always taken the month of August, September to have a holiday, which was lovely. And when I saw Cats again in September, I strangely, uh, I was able to really enjoy it uh, and also be quite dispassionate about it in a very strange way and think, well, perhaps I wasn't meant to do it, perhaps it was meant. And then I followed it with a performance for Harold Pinter, directed by Peter Hall, called A Kind of Alaska at the National, where I had to be this girl who had sleeping sickness and got up after 29 years or something and had to walk across the floor. And I, on the first night of it, I suddenly thought, I'm sure I know now why I had that accident. I'm sure that this was in order to use so that I would be able to know the difficulty of learning to walk again because, of course, I had to do that. I had the most wonderful girl, um, Charlotte Arnold, a physiotherapist, who t taught me to walk again. Are there any parts you've always wanted to play? Uh, I don't think there are, actually. I've always wanted to do a Brecht play, and I'm going to do it now. Uh, I'm a very bad um, chooser, Peter, at, uh, at, at plays. I, I'm very bad at choosing a part for myself, and I've ceased to do it now. And I just... Um, I always go through a kind of mixture of things, saying, oh, this will be the last part anyone will ask me to do. And, um, and then I just have to hope that somebody will come along and say, will you do so-and-so? This will be a very good part for you. What other actors do you admire? Oh, many, many. And, I mean, I, I think that's the way you learn so much watching. I mean, I was at the Vic in 1957. John Neville, I played opposite John Neville in Hamlet, and Coral Brown and Jack Willem. And, um, and Frankie Howard, who was here the other night, was in the company for The Dream. And I mean, it's only by watching people that you, you know, that you can... That you see, that you see what works. Tony Hopkins, I'm a tremendous admirer of his, and I mean all the RSC company and Jan Sussman, Eileen Atkins, uh, Donald Sindon, comic, comedy technique, and I mean so many that I, Zoe Wanamaker, but um, I could be here for several hours because. I mean, only that way do you, you know, you learn, learn things. Bob Peck, you can learn things about how to do things. What do you like doing in your spare time? 
what's better. <laughs> um, I like, uh, well, I'm always writing and catching up with letters, always doing that. Uh, and I make things, and I sew. I usually sew in the theatre, but of course I'm on stage the whole way through this, so I never get the chance. Um, and I'm always making things. My daughter always comes in and has to have a fancy dress, so I'm always doing that at the last minute, or making something for myself, or cooking, or cleaning the house, or changing a room round, or, you know. So I never stop, actually. Never. I'm frightfully active. I should be very, very thin. Very thin, indeed. So I never stop doing things. So what are your plans for the future, then? I leave this play the first week in May, and then I don't know quite yet what I'm going to do in the summer. Um, I take a holiday and then go to the RSC for Mother Courage about the 10th of September. We have a long rehearsal period and open that sometime early November, I think. Um, and that will go through till March of, of next year. So everything's a little bit fluid about the summer, but I've got to make up my mind about some things. Great, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Jolly good question. This is Peter Jonathan Robertson. If you'd like to comment on this or any of my other interviews in the PJ archive, you can find me on Twitter at PeterJonathanR2. It would be good to hear from you.